Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins America. We come on this loop, John B. My grandfather and me. Around Nassau town, we did roam. Drinking all night. Got into a fight. Well, I feel so broken. I wanna go. All right, new hour, different focus this hour. Last hour was fun, a little different. I'm going to try some more of that. I, I enjoy doing goofy, comedic stuff and also deep politics. So what does that look like as far as the show goes? I don't know. I think you might be listening to it, but we'll see. It's evolving. You know, I haven't had Wiggins America forever, so we're figuring this thing out. Hopefully you liked some of the stuff we did last hour, especially the comedic stuff, because I want to do more of that. But also, I like deep diving into some of this uh, important national stuff that we're all facing together. Let's talk about the filibuster for a second and how important it is to keep that, at least for now. And then also, let me make the opposite point. (laughs) Okay, so here's Senator Manchin this week, and here's why we probably are not going to see the filibuster going anywhere. We all want that. And Nick Saban at the bottom of his letter, which they didn't put, Paul Tagliabue did not put what Nick Saban wrote at the bottom, his footnote. He supports the filibuster. Do not get rid of the filibuster. Now, why did he automatically leave that out? Yeah, well, no, no. No, yeah, no, no. I think everyone. We should all support the right to vote. Everyone. But not breaking, not, not breaking the rules to make new rules. The laws there, the rules are there, and basically the government. The government will stand behind them to make sure they have a right to vote. We have that. The things they're talking about now are in court. Mark Elias has an awful lot in court. The courts are struck down. Like in Ohio, they struck down the gerrymandering. Things are happening, okay? We act like that we're going to obstruct people from voting. That's not going to happen. Okay, good. He's sticking to his guns. He's in a highly Republican state. He, he literally, I, it's unbelievable that Senator Manchin even exists as a Democrat in a state as red as West Virginia. But the reason that he's standing up for all of these things is because those are his constituents. That's what they're telling him. They voted for Trump by, I think, plus 27. It, it's not even close. So he's doing what he believes is representative of his state, and he's doing a pretty good job of it in the face of a lot of pushback. Now, Like I said, let me make the opposite point for a second. 
that maybe the filibuster being weakened or going away wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Not that I want to get rid of it. I want to see it stay because the alternative is scary. But let's say in this scary world that we're living in, the Democrats actually do figure out how to get around the filibuster and vote for changing our election rules and election laws nationally. That is something that I think as a conservative, you believe, and every Republican in the Senate and the House is voting against these things, even the wavering ones. They vote against this stuff. So it's not, you can't do these things partisan. You have to do voting rights changes bipartisan. So here's what I believe they're trying to set up, though. A, if they can get around the filibuster by doing some sort of rule change where they can do a talking filibuster, so they wouldn't be getting rid of it, but they'd be forcing Republicans to talk through it, or something along those lines, Let's say they do that, and let's say somehow Republicans give in and don't talk for the next 12 months constantly, and they pass voting, what they would call voting rights legislation. We need a better name for it, because that's not what they're doing. They're just trying to change, federalize elections to make it easier to cheat. I mean, that's what ultimately, some of it's not. So, of course, that's the way it always is. The the stuff at the top of the bill is really not that bad. It's stuff that you probably could get a bipartisan agreement on. It's the stuff at the bottom of the bill, adding drop boxes, expanding mail-in voting, basically forever voting, months and months of voting. The more you get away from an election day and the more you get away from people there to see who you are when you vote, the more fraud you're going to have. It's it's simple. And Democrats have said this in the past. Wait, hang on here. Here's Hillary Clinton talking about this before the 2016 election. Some tech experts in Silicon Valley, Valley with whom I have met, who say that you know, maybe what they'll do this next time is to really disrupt the actual election, shut down the servers that you send results to, uh, interfere with the operation of voting machines, because still too many of them are linked to the Internet. So there, we are still very vulnerable. Okay, so clearly they, they stand for nothing other than power, right? We all know that. And this is just a power struggle that's happening. But again, let me get back to my point here. That this might not be the absolute worst thing to happen if it does happen. Again, I hope it doesn't. But let's play this scenario out if it does. It'll be a long time. Republicans might filibuster this thing for a long, long time. So let's say in October, right before the election... They run out of steam and they can't keep talk filibustering. And somehow Democrats wear them down enough that they can get past it. And they get Manchin and Cinema and some others on board and actually pass this gross change to elections. So how does that play out? Well, first of all, we're all worried about cheating. That's why we don't want this to pass, because it basically just loosens the reins on the possibility of cheating. But 2022 is going to be a wave election year like I'm not sure we've seen in our lifetime. 2010 was a big year. This could be bigger than that. I'm, I'm not kidding. The polling suggests that usually going into election that's a, that's a wave Republican year, you might see people's party favorability or party affiliation 
barely, barely tilting Republican, like by a point at most or even. Usually it tilts Democrat, and the closer you get to even, that's when you see big, big Republican years. According to the latest polling, party affiliation has switched so much that you have Republicans leading by nine points. I don't know exactly how that plays out in 2022, but I know that historically, when you have Republicans leading by even a point, you get a wave. If Republicans are leading by nine points, still a long way to go before we get to November. I I really don't know what we're looking at here. It could be historic. So in light of that, let's say Democrats change election laws, but they do it right before or even right after November. So after the election, they would be doing that to benefit themselves down the road. But what would happen is, even in this year, there's no way they're going to overcome people at the ballot box this year. And you say, Ryan, don't be naive. They can do whatever they want. If you get cheating, you get cheating. You get mass cheating, they can do anything they want. No, I don't think so. Look at 2020. What did they do in the House? They they had a huge majority. They barely hung on to it. Because people didn't like the way across the country that COVID was being handled locally. So they voted for Republicans. And Republicans almost took back the House in a year that people say was fraught with fraud. Even if you don't believe that, people say 2020 was fraught with fraud. That's a nice phrase. I'm going to keep using that. Because of all of the loosening on restrictions of voting. You know that. Because of COVID. State election houses circumvented normal rules like crazy, and so it brings up a lot of suspicion. That's A, that's not going to be happening. And then B, even in a year like that, I think there were 27 contested House seats that they didn't know which way they'd go, and Republicans took 27 of them. So it's when you get into national stuff, like presidential stuff and Senate seats, Not that House seats, national House seats, aren't national, but they're they're so local that they're it's hard to do anything with them. We're talking about cheating here. So the way that if there was enough fraud to overturn things, they would have done it is that they would have run up the score, run up the total in the deep blue pockets. House races, that doesn't really happen. Senate races and presidential races, it can. So, (laughs) rounding it out here, hope you're sticking with me. If Democrats pass legislation that changes election laws for specifically those um, elections, House, Senate, President, national elections, it's probably not going to affect the House a whole lot. It could affect the Senate, could affect the President, but it won't this year because Republicans will most likely delay it long enough that they won't be able to implement it soon enough. even if they do pass it. So we're talking about down the road. Well, guess what happens after January of next year? Republicans take back the House and probably the Senate. So you have a president in office who's Democrat, who can't get anything done. So in 2024, your elections are affected by these new rules. But all you have to do at that point is win the presidency. So let's say it's Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. I don't know if that'll happen. But... Joe Biden 
will not win president uh, another term. He won't. So let's say it's Kamala Harris. She's not going to win. I don't know who it is. But let's say it is Trump. He's probably going to win in 2024 unless Democrats pull off some sort of miracle or like you and a lot of people and I would be concerned about cheat. But with you add in the polling, you add in this, what the states are doing with their election laws. I just don't think it's going to happen. So you get a Republican back into office in 2025 with full control of the House for sure, probably the Senate, and you just repeal it. You repeal those laws because you don't need a filibuster to do that anymore. They've repealed the filibuster at that point, right? So you take away those laws and now you have majorities in both houses and you can pass basically anything you want because you don't have a filibuster. I'm not saying that's the best thing for the country long term. I'm just trying to play out what that scenario could look like if they do get rid of the filibuster and pass vote changes this year. Because this is it. They either do it this year, excuse me, they either do it this year or it's not going to happen. Long way to get there, and maybe you disagree. Maybe you're like, Ryan, you're crazy. I, I, I could be convinced that I am crazy on that. I'm just trying to logically think out how this would play out over the next five to eight years. And I think there's more hope there than we're giving it credit for. Again, to close things out, because we're at the end of the time of this segment here, and we'll get to more, I don't think it's a good idea to do this. I'm just saying that if it happens, don't believe that it's the end of the world. All right. That's my stump speech. More to come on Wiggins America. Stick around. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Boy, this is a weird thing I'm watching. I I just saw this on Twitter. It's probably not going to make great radio, so I'll just suggest that you go look at it for yourself because there's not really any audio, but apparently, and I'm I'm reporting this as I'm seeing it, so don't think that I I know a whole lot about this. Apparently, Pelosi, somebody that Nancy Pelosi was recommending for a, a transportation committee or something, it's not a member of Congress, is my guess. This is somebody outside that she, maybe she's friends with them. That's usually how these things work, isn't it? You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back, and I'll give you a committee position. Like Pete Buttigieg, for instance. If you drop out of the race, I'll give you transportation secretary. It's a job that you won't have to do anything with. Oh, wait, now we have terrible supply chain problems, and you're not doing anything because you didn't expect to do anything. Yeah, that guy's probably going to run for president. Good luck, buddy. Uh, Anyway, this video, it's this lady trying to park her car and she she's backing in at a terrible angle to the point where you're like, okay, this is there's something wrong with this person. There's no way anybody could think that was going to work. And she's hitting the cars on both sides of her over and over. And it just becomes embarrassing. Well, the video itself is just one of those you see online. You go, oh, boy, that looks stupid. When you find out that this person was supposed to be in charge of something regarding a a, a transportation committee or something with Pelosi, 
<clears throat> the video becomes a little bit more funny then, and also a sad state of affairs of where we are and how seriously these people can take their jobs. Man, a government job like that, it's unreal. I mean, Pete Buttigieg, you know that one. And you know why he got the job? Because he backed out and he endorsed um, Joe Biden, who became the president, and then scratched his back back. Got that job. Anyway, um, not a whole lot of time here because I do have a whole bunch more that we want to talk about in the next segment, which I'll set up and say that, you know, in just a minute ago, we were talking about the filibuster. In a few minutes, we're going to talk about strategy and why, well, it's, it's involving elections, it's involving election security and things like that. It's a topic that I talk about a lot, and so hopefully uh, you're hearing it here, and you're hopefully you're hearing it else, elsewhere too. I just don't think that that's probably the case, but we're going to talk about that in just a minute, so stick around. But before we get there, in the meantime, let's hit this. The last. Where is everybody? The last. It's not the end of the world. There's all the time I need and all the time I want. The last person on Earth. I miss the noise, you know? I thought I was going to be alone again. There's time now. How familiar are you with the Cloverfield series of movies? As you know, that, uh, that little bumper that we just played there, that intro is because I love Last Person on Earth movies and TV shows, and for years it's been a hobby. I mean, to the point where I was almost watching nothing else for years, trying to find every Last Man on Earth movie and TV episode of anything and documenting it as I went. So I've got page after page after page, and I mean we're in the 50, 60 pages worth of just movies, probably another 50 or 60 pages of uh, of TV shows and episodes, and every one of the page has probably 10 different movies on it. So we're talking about a lot. I mean, I've been obsessed with this. And so now I get to share that obsession with you if you're into that genre. It's kind of the post-apocalyptic genre, but you can find a lot of movies even outside of that that'll hit the criteria. And the criteria are, A, you have to be either the last person on Earth or last person on a Earth-like place, uh, B, you have to be the actual last human in the universe because you could be in a spaceship, right? You could be out in outer space or part of some sort of um, you know, cryogenically frozen camp that's floating around in space, and you're not on Earth, but you're among the last people on Earth. And then criteria C is wandering around an empty space. So if you're, if you're in like a, a, a metropolis, like I Am Legend, for instance— and it's weird because you're supposed to have, uh, you know, a, a large population in a city like that. Uh, you have it all to yourself. Those three criteria, if any show, movie, TV episode hits one of those, I put it on the list. And some of them will barely hit it or they'll hit it in a weird way. So all of that documented. So I get back to this now. The Cloverfield series. The Cloverfield series is, I think, now three movies. You had the original one that's just called Cloverfield that's about some unseen force attacking New York City. Then you have the one that I reviewed because that one didn't hit my criteria. But 10 Cloverfield Lane did. This is where aliens have invaded Earth, so it's after the first one. Most of this movie, though, takes place in a bunker. Have you seen this? It's a few years old now. I think it was 2016. It was really good. Um, I actually gave it a five out of five stars for general entertainment. Only three stars for Last Person on Earth, and I'll get to that. 
Uh, it hits criteria A and B simply because the characters think they might be the last. So even though you as an audience member know that they're not, because if you've seen the first one, you know that they're not, they think the apocalypse has happened and that they might be the last people that even survived it. So that hits the criteria. And so it's a, it's a movie that takes place in a bunker. It's really creepy. You don't know whether to trust the, uh, the person who's holding the girl captive, whether he's telling the truth or not. It's very, very fun, and I highly recommend it, and it's on my list. So there you go. And now one last thing before we get to the end of this segment. Wow. Wiggins, America. Okay, New York City Mayor Eric Adams. What do you think about him? He ran on a platform that said he was going to support police, which is the opposite of basically every other Democrat candidate in New York City, and he won on that platform in a deep, deep, I mean, you don't get much bluer than New York City. He ran on support the police and won as a Democrat. Now, that's pretty much the only thing that he's done differently than any other mayor. I mean, he, he kept the vaccine mandates in place from de Blasio and things that everybody wondered, oh, is he going to he gonna keep all in place? He is. He, he's super far left. The police issue has been the only thing that he's been any different on. So I, I was interested to see this news story when it popped up. Uh, New York City Mayor Adams set to take his first paycheck in Bitcoin and Ethereum. That's significant. And that kind of stuff, even though it's small, it symbolically usually raises the price of, in this case, Bitcoin and Ethereum, which, by the way, I don't know a ton about. I have read a book about the origins of Bitcoin. So it was more about the story than it was about what Bitcoin means to the world and things like that. It was about the people who founded it, what it was like in the early days, and how a lot of these people became multi, multi millionaires just because they had a couple Bitcoins, you know, early on. So super interesting book. Um, <clears throat> I wish I could remember the name of it. I'd tell you about it and you could read it for yourself. But I, so I know a little bit about the, the, the background of Bitcoin more than I know about the actuality of Bitcoin. But I do own a little bit of it just because I'm interested in it. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on Bitcoin. You know, tell me, should I keep putting money into it? Should I not? Should I talk about it more? Less? I don't know. It's just one of those topics that I think there's a, there's a community that's really passionate about it. And then the rest of the people are just confused by it. So, <clears throat> excuse me, if you want to reach out and let me know your thoughts on that or anything else, you can find me on Twitter, at Radio Wiggins. You can also find my Facebook page. And a lot of the things that I talk about are also on my um, webpage, wigginsamerica.com. Uh, I write articles. I put them up there. You can read those there if you'd like. Usually it's about stuff that nobody else is talking about. I like to hit that stuff. And you can contact me through there, too. So wigginsamerica.com. And hang on. Like I said, that was going to be kind of a short segment. We're going to popcorn around. We're deep diving next on some of the election stuff. Stick around. Well, I know, I know, I know. I talked about this at the beginning of this hour. By the way, podcast the last hour. A lot of fun. Had uh, Trisha Seekman and old Roy in here talking about a variety of topics. And the very last segment of that hour, you won't want to miss because it's got some fun facts that... I don't know how to tease well because I don't want to give away the joke, but I also don't want to set it up as it's really that funny because that I want you to come in cold. I want you to come in cold to that hour, especially that last segment, and check it out at the podcast. Or you can rewind with the Odyssey app. 
At the beginning of this hour, I did talk about this topic, but not in this way, so let's hit it. Um, It's the filibuster, yes, but it's not about necessarily the filibuster, because we were talking about that kind of in detail. This is more about the actual Freedom to Vote Act or the Voting Rights Act that they keep calling it the Voting Rights Act. It's not even called that. It's called the Freedom to Vote Act or the John Lewis Freedom to Vote Act, something like that, that on the Annie Fry show this week in one of my segments, we dove into what's actually in that act. We can do that here, and we probably will just so that you know, because there's been a lot of debate about it, but everybody kind of goes to their corners. And if you're a Democrat, you go, well, yeah, I think I'm in favor of it. If you're a Republican, you go, yeah, I think I'm not in favor of it. But nobody, if you if you really sat down and talked to somebody about voting rights and why you're either protecting democracy if you'd vote for it or if it would tear down democracy if you don't vote for it, most people, including myself up until just recently, would have said, well, I think I know the general uh, stuff but not really specifically what's in this bill. So based on what Joe Biden said this week in that press conference, you watch that press conference? If you paid attention to it at all, which I would venture to say the majority of the country didn't, you know, you're, if you're listening to the station, you're probably pretty politically engaged, or at least you want to know generally what's going on, what's the climate. Um, maybe you'd watch the beginning of it. I actually only watched the end of it. I was doing something else when the beginning started, and I thought, you know what, I'll catch up with this later. Well, later, when I turned it on, it was still going. He did two hours, and that's very surprising for him. He's, he's done the least amount of press conferences, especially including questions, of any president in modern history. So I guess he owes us a long one. And he did it. He did a long one. And I, so I watched more of the end of that speech than the beginning which means I probably watched stuff that very few people did. Now, there's clips from the end of that that have been making the rounds, but just in case you didn't see it or hear it in person or, or since, here's the one that really grabbed my attention listening to it in real time. You said that it depends. Uh, do, you, do you think that they would in any way be illegitimate? Oh, yeah, I think it easily could be, be illegitimate. Imagine, imagine if, in fact, Trump has succeeded in convincing Pence to not count the votes. Uh, imagine uh, if... In, in regards to 2022, sir, the midterm Oh, 2022. Election. I mean, uh, uh, imagine if those uh, attempts to say that uh, the count was not legit. You have to recount it, or we're not going to count. We're going to discard the following votes. I mean, sure, it, 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 I'm not saying it's going to be legit. It's the increase... And the prospect of being illegitimate is in direct proportion to us not being able to get these these reforms passed. So that's a, a good question, and the answer is horrendous. The President of the United States, after for what now, 12 months, longer, criticizing the former president for suggesting that there were really weird anomalies about the 2020 election, which, by the way, nobody fights. Everybody knows if you look just statistically, and I'm not talking about, well, you don't have evidence of fraud and all that stuff. We could get into that separately. But just by stats, that was one of the weirdest elections in history, in American history for sure. But instead of looking into that, 
the people in power have decided, let's not do anything and criticize the fact that somebody would question an election. What just happened in that press conference and what we just listened to is Biden changing that. And for the rest of the year, my anticipation is Democrats are now going to be the ones questioning elections, <laughs> probably while doing a January 6th commission. Uh, they're going to be questioning 2022 before it even happens because they know two facts. A, they're going to get shellacked in this election and they don't want to own up to it. They don't want to own up to the fact that they've done a terrible job leading and that the country needed really strong, not just strong, <clears throat> but almost what, what would be the word for threading the needle? You know, you had to walk a tightrope to fix the damage that was done in 2020 by all the spending, by shutting everything down, COVID procedures and precautions, deaths in general that have happened. All of that made for a very precarious 2020 leading into that election. And then coming out of it was going to be tough. Well, the leaders, like I said, we don't necessarily need strong leadership we need smart leadership right now. We don't have that. Everybody's recognizing that. That's why the poll numbers for the president are so low, because everybody's recognizing this guy just doesn't know what he's doing. He's reactionary. You need somebody to lead from the front, not lead from the behind and not know which direction they're going, even when they're trying to do that. So that's fact number one. They know they're going to get beat. Fact number two is they know they didn't just pass the Freedom to Vote Act and that would have changed things. That would have opened things up to fraud more. And that's why I brought this little piece of paper and why I opened this segment saying, we need to know what's in that act. Because even if the whole thing doesn't pass, which it's not going to, it's just not. They don't have enough of a majority to pass it. Even if they got rid of the filibuster, which they can't, but if they found an end around, like I mentioned in the first segment here, if they found that, I still don't even think Cinema and, and uh, Mansion would vote for this act even without the filibuster. There's stuff in it that's fine, that is maybe requiring states to make voting more accessible for people with disabilities. I mean, okay, I don't know how it's not now. I mean, maybe there's disabilities that I don't understand, but I'm thinking of like handicap ramps and stuff. Every town hall already has that stuff, but whatever. Um, there's making election day a national holiday. Okay, I could see that. I don't necessarily want that but if it passed i wouldn't care um then there's all this questionable stuff in the middle like <clears throat> states that require ids for voting would have to broaden the types of identification acceptable that all just depends on how you're implementing it are you talking about a third grade bus pass or are you talking about your electric bill those are different things um states would have to offer same day voting registration and online registration making it easier to register at places like the DMV, again, some of that sounds like it's okay. It's just a matter of the way it's implemented. Outlawing partisan gerrymandering. Everybody wants that, but nobody can figure out how to do it. So again, it's all in the implementation. Strengthening the Federal Election Commission's ability to investigate charges of campaign abuses, not fraud, campaign abuses, and require that states replace outdated voting machines. Well, that sounds okay, but should the federal government get to tell states what kind of machines they use for their voting? I don't like that. Um, allowing states that have early voting 
or making sure that states have to have at least two weeks early voting prior to Election Day, including nights and weekends. Again, some of that sounds okay as long as there's people there monitoring it. But the more you open it up, the more opportunity you have for malfeasance. So here's this. That's the stuff that's kind of questionable. There's a lot there that's like, eh, depends on how it goes. The stuff that's really just not okay. And this is the stuff that I imagine they'll focus on if they're going to piecemeal this stuff together and try to get it passed. Would be these three things. One, allowing vote by mail with no excuses. No cause. Just vote by mail if you want to. Anybody can. Don't like that. There's nobody to prove that you are who you are. For instance, and this is the easiest example, but it goes way beyond this. If you're at home with your spouse... You get two ballots in the mail. Let's say you request for you and your spouse two ballots. And let's say she or he is the opposite political aisle from you. You request two ballots. You fill out both of them the way you want and send them back. Nobody ever thinks about it. Nobody ever checks. That's a fraudulent vote. Now, you can say, well, that's pretty small. Well, yeah, but that's an example of fraud. And there's a lot of things like that that can happen with mail-in voting Even when it's legitimate people, you also open it up to being illegitimate people, like doing this, number two. It would limit the ways that states can purge people from the voting rolls. Why would you do that? There's no reason for you to limit states taking people off the voting rolls because the way they're doing it right now is not bad. In fact, it's the opposite of that. It's too loose. There are states like Ohio now, there was a Supreme Court case involving Ohio, so Ohio was kind of the precedent for this, and they say, well, after roughly, I think it's three election cycles, if that person hasn't voted and we haven't heard anything back from any communications we've tried to send to that person, we're going to purge them off the voting rolls. We're going to assume that they no longer live in that precinct or maybe even in the state or they're dead or whatever, whatever cause they haven't been around and they're, they're MIA for six years or something. So we don't want their name just sitting there on the voting rolls that somebody else could come and pretend to be them. That needs to happen much, much more. This bill would expand that and prevent states from doing that. That's terrible and stupid, and everybody knows that that's stupid. Number three, final one. Voters can put their ballots in drop boxes with basically no oversight. Don't do this. Don't create places where people can just go drop random ballots and nobody, there's no chain of custody. Nobody has any idea who they were. That's a terrible, terrible idea. That would be enshrined into law with the Freedom to Vote Act. So there's different categories of things that when, if you talk about this with your friends, they say, but there's stuff in there that's good. Agree. There there probably is stuff in there. Well, I just mentioned a couple things. There's stuff in there that you could get behind. There's also stuff in there that if implemented correctly, is fine. You just have questions about the way it is. And there's stuff in there that nobody in their right mind should want. Yet you have half of Congress that is not only pushing for it, they're willing to get rid of an American institution like the filibuster to do it. And then here's the kicker. Kamala Harris argued with Savannah Guthrie this week, of all people. And she pushed back, Savannah did, on Kamala Harris. She had talking points and Savannah said, no, 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 hang on. Hang on now. What we're talking about is the president in that clip that I just played at the beginning of this segment saying that he's not going to trust the institution of the elections anymore. That's what you've been complaining about Donald Trump saying for a year and a half. And the the answer was terrible. I'm not going to play it. It's really long. I'm not going to play it. 
and Kamala Harris did terrible. She just said the same talking points again. But that's what they're going to do this year. They're going to say now, because we didn't pass voting rights legislation, all future elections are now, to an extent, illegitimate. Because we had the solution. And that solution, by the way, was drop boxes, nobody watching them, mail-in voting, no excuses, and not purging people from the voting rolls. That stuff was supposed to save democracy somehow. That's the backward... You are talking about almost exclusively an entire political party that is willing to lie and, and change the rules to get what they want, which is just more power. Because what I just read to you, have you ever heard that? Have you heard anybody say this is what's in the Freedom to Vote Act? No. They just say Voting Rights Act over and over, and if you're against it, you're against democracy. Wanting, they wanted to federalize. It's never been done before. Federalize elections. So that's, first of all, changing things. Get rid of the filibuster to do it. And it was all to benefit themselves to do things that anybody in their right mind would say that's a bad idea for securing for securing votes, for making sure that it's actually the people voting who are voting. That's, and I hate to say it this bluntly, because I like to look into the nuance of things, <clears throat> but that is an entire political party. That is the Democrat party willing to change the rules to benefit their own power. Now, you can say all day that Republicans are changing the laws, too. But when you look at the actual laws, like I just did with the Freedom to Vote Act, you will find that those laws in Texas and Georgia specifically are the big ones in the last year. Those laws are fine. You can read into them, find what's in them. We can do that in another segment. We probably should, but I'm running out of time. We will do that at some point. We're looking at the Georgia laws, the Texas laws. I will prove to you, just based on what's in them, that there is nothing in there that even if you're a Democrat that you really should worry about. This is all about power. It's all about just Democrats trying to gain more power. We are out of time. Thank you so much. Again, podcast at 971talk.com. Get the Odyssey app. You can rewind. See you next week. Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.